Blog Talk Radio. opportunity to come again this afternoon on the radio, uh, speaking to the radio world, and we thank God for allowing our golden moment to roll on a little while longer. Uh, it could have been said of us, all of us, even the one that listen, as it had been said of others, but we're still here. God spoke this morning, our eyes came open. We beheld the beginning of a brand new day, and that's enough to say thank you. Thank you, God, for Allow me to stay here a little while longer, not for myself, but not to come to the ground, but to do the will of God. And so we ask that you put your listening ears on, that you might not miss what the voice of the Lord is saying through the apostle. The Bible says, be not like the fool. We go to church, and we think that the preacher is preaching to everybody but ourselves. If you go to church and not expecting the pastor to say nothing to you because you live so holy that week, and you're not looking for him to say nothing to you in another kind of way, then you may as well stay home because you miss tomorrow. You don't have nothing to do but how well you speak that God's going to speak to you. God speaks to us in many different ways, and it ain't got no, so much to do with how well we did do or didn't do. But he's our heavenly father, and he speaks to us through the word. But the Bible said in Sunday days and, and time past, he spoke through the people by the prophet. But in the last days, he's going to speak through his word. So when you go to church, don't be like the fool and say, he ain't speaking to me. Yes, he is speaking to you. You're just not listening. Anytime you go to church, you're going for a purpose. You're not going to her, but you can say, oh, look what he said to Susie. Look what he said to Betty. He's free. No, what did he say to you? Because if he didn't say anything to you, then you miss your mark. Always always go expecting God to say something to you. Even if it's, even if you think you live so good that you think you ain't did nothing bad, do you have a attended ear? To even be listening for chastisement if need be. Because the Bible says if he don't chastise us, then we are not even his children. 
So even though I think I live so perfect, sometimes we say things to hurt people's feelings, and we don't even realize we did it. Sometimes we can be so blunt. Some people can be feel it can be hurt by you being blunt. Well, you feel like, hey, I didn't do anything. I just told it like it was. Well, maybe you told it like it was, but you didn't tell it the way it was. You could have said it in a more nicer way. And the way you said it is offend someone. See, it doesn't matter what you think about it. The Bible said if you offend your brother, it's better that a millstone be tied about our neck and we be cast into the sea. Now, if you're like me, I can't swim without a millstone. I sure don't need that hunger around my neck. So when a millstone around your neck, you're going straight to the bottom. We offend one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we think it don't mean nothing. We, we talk about one another. We, we find out that we done gossip on one another and cut one another in the back. Repeat what somebody done told you as a friend, and you think it ain't nothing in the eye of God. But I come out and tell you that afternoon, God is concerned. We may be brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can't hurt one another's feelings, and we can't defraud one another or fear one another just because we brothers and sisters in the Lord. When I hurt you, I hurt, God approaches God. When you hurt me, it approaches God. So we, we are our brother's keeper. And the Bible tells us we need one another. I need you, and you need me. So this afternoon, we want to talk about something that the Lord has given us. We want to talk about walking in victory every day. How many know you can walk in victory every day? You may cannot stop what come along every day. You, you can't stop the problems that come along every day, uh, the tests and the trials that come, the things that people say about you, the things that may happen every day in your life, the way people treat you, the way people talk about you. The way people think about it, you have nothing to do with that. But that's no reason for you not to walk in victory. See, this is why we can't win the world over because we walk in defeat. The world is watching us get defeated every day. We give it into the trials. We give it into the tests. We act like God ain't strong no more. We act like, like God ain't powerful no more. We act like God ain't a healer no more. We act like God ain't a deliverer no way. We act like God ain't a waymaker no more. God is still almighty. He's still omnipotent. He's still almighty. He's still all-powerful. He's all-present. He's all-knowing. He hasn't lost none of his duty, but we act like he has. We act like he can't even heal us from a cold now. God is still a healer, and the world need to know it. And the way the world knows is it is that we got to walk in victory. The song runs to yield not to temptation, for yielding to sin. See, by us, Getting walking victory in this, it calls others to win. By you overcoming your trials and tests, others can say, well, if God did it for her, he can do it for me. Now, how are you going to get up here and teach about marriage? And, 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 and here it is, you keep getting married over and over again. You don't, you don't have a testimony. In order for you to be a marriage counselor, you need to be steadfast your own self. You need to set an example that marriage can work. I mean, I mean, would I come to you and you've been married 19 times? And you, how are you going to tell me that I, how, how can I make it in my marriage? You got to set in a standard. When you set standard, then people got something to go by. God told when God gave a standard to go by, and we can't change those standards because, well, she can't cook. Well, I didn't like the way he looked, or he don't look as well as he looked at a year ago. There's not no reason for you to, to get out of get out of marriage. The Bible said that we got to have present this marriage before God. Marriage is honorable to be on the fire. The Bible said, "Whosoever God join together, let no man put them asunder." So I want to talk about victory, victory in your life, victory in your walk with God. See, once you become born again. You put your hand in the hand of a victorious God. And, honey, I don't care what you're going through, you can be victorious. I want to talk about seven ways. There are many other ways, but I don't have time for permitting because I want to always talk about, I also want to talk about eight habits that are destroying your walk with God, and I want to talk about seven ways to walk victorious. So let's start with the seven ways of walking victorious. First way, seven ways of walking victorious. First, Watch your words. Now you've been born again. Now you're a Christian. You don't talk like you talk when you was out in the world. You don't talk like you talk when you were the sinner, you out at the club. You begin a new conversation now. You gotta put away that cursing. Evil communication is not to be found in your mouth, the scripture says. Put away all evil communication. Now you belong to God. Proverbs 18 and 21 said that the power of, the, of life and death are in the power of our tongue. Uh-huh. Our word can uplift or destroy. I would encourage you to take an inventory of your word over the next few days. Think about what you're saying. 
You can, you don't supposed to be cursing as a Christian. I heard so many Christians cursing and justifying it. Talking about God under no, no, baby, your conversation has changed now. You're not allowed by the Spirit of the Lord. When you're cursing, you're not walking in the Spirit. You're walking in the flesh. That's what the flesh does. I often said, and I never forget my mama sitting me down when I was a little boy because she heard me curse. My dad had died, and I was about 14 years old, started hanging around some friend that corrupted me. And, and you know, the Bible says evil come rumor, case of corrupt, good manners. I started hanging around friends that cursed. I didn't curse. My mama brought me up in the church. My, I never heard my mama curse. My mama heard me curse one day. She said to me, you can communicate without cursing. She said cursing is another language, a belittled language. Uh huh. Uh, 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 she said a belittled language, other words, below yourself. When you start cursing, you are below yourself. We are Christians, and as Christians, we ain't supposed to below ourselves. Uh -huh. That's, that, we are below that. We allow cursing not to be above us. And, and as Christians, we are not to go down there. We ought to put that evil communication away from us because God, the Holy Ghost, don't cuss. Jesus don't cuss. The word of God don't cuss. And if he be in us, we are not to cuss. So my mama said, when you heard me cuss, you cuss. I ain't never heard my mama cuss to the day she died. So I, that, that did something to me. It made me gave me a landmark. It gave me something to go by the example that I can communicate. It don't matter how mad you get, you don't have to cuss. She made me so mad. He made me so mad. I had to cuss him out. No, you did that because you let the devil get in you. You let the devil get hold of your tongue. Amen. You let the devil get hold of your conversation. You can communicate without cussing. And as a Christian, we got to watch our words because life and death is in our words. You walk around talking about, I feel bad. Well, you're going to feel bad. You just put it on your own self. Remember, you got, you got some God in you. Remember, you got some God and you ain't God. Listen to me. You are not God, but you got God in you. So you got to be careful what you say because the God in you would operate. You tell I feel bad or I don't know how I'm going to make it. What you mean you don't know how you're going to make it? God ain't going nowhere. He's today, tomorrow, and forever. If he be for you, who then be a, can be against you? Just remember when you start talking that old negative talk that God is not pleased. He said, let him that is weak. Listen to what God says. Let him that is weak say he's strong. Come on, Paul, Apostle. I'm weak, and you telling me to be I didn't say it. God said it. Let him that is weak say he is strong. This is a testimony. In other words, you, 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 you're messing up the plans of the devil now. And then after a while, you're going to find yourself starting getting, getting stripped again just by speaking those words. I am strong. I am strong. I am an overcomer. I'm victorious. I got the victory. I'm going to make it. This is not going to get the best of me. Some way or somehow by the help of God, I'm going to get through this. Uh, I'm not at the end of my road. I am not going to give up. I ain't going to quit. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Job waited on him. I'm going to wait on the Lord until my chain comes. You start talking like that, baby, devil got to get it and flee. He got to run. That's resisting the devil. So remember, Watch your words. I will say a little bit more, but time won't permit because i got other things to do. And second of all, to walk in victory is after watching your words. Now, remember, let me say this before I change over. Remember how powerful your words are. It was by your word that you got saved. You spoke the word, and you, uh, and you became a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, all things became new. A supernatural thing happened. A new birth started on the inside of you just because of the word that was on your lips. I didn't the scripture said, if you believe in your heart, which if compared with your mouth, that means word, the Lord Jesus, and that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Look what your word did. Your word changed you from the natural to the supernatural, from carnal to the spiritual, from the old man to the new man. Just your word that you spoke. Yes, you spoke his word, but you used it with your mouth. You spoke his word and became a new creature. Now you're not the same person no more. So watch your words. Don't defeat your own self. Don't cast your own self down. So I do what the doctor says. But you tell that doctor, my mama, oh, my mama used to make the doctor mad. They told my mama about she going home. My mama said, I ain't going nowhere. Back to the house and give God praise. They told my mama to go home. Like other words, they were telling her, ain't no more we can do. You can go home and die. My mama said, you go home and die. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going home and die. My mama said, I'm going home and live. And she lived a long time. The doctor, even the doctor that told her her heart was so bad that she wanted to make her the doctor die before she did. You ain't got to die because the doctor said you're going to die. You ain't got to quit because people said you can quit. 
You ain't got to give up because people don't believe in you. Watch your words. Second, read your Bible. Oh, how powerful is the word of God. Now, a Christian, this is your lifestyle. Now, this is this is not an air butler, maybe. When you become born again, this is your book now. Okay, if you want to read a, a, a Holocaust romance, it's okay if you want to read Ebony. That's all right. You want to read Black Ebony and all the other books. But you make sure that this book is the, is the most important book that you read. Read your Bible. You read it for edification. You read it for spiritual and enlightenment. You read it for spiritual nourishment. Heavenly food, manna from on high, bread from heaven. Read it for wisdom. Read it for knowledge. Read it for understanding. Huh? Read it for deliverance, the deliverance in the word. Uh-huh, they break through in the word. There's victory in the word. We're talking about victory tonight. Victory in the word. That's how you're going to stay victorious. You're going to read the word. And the word said, by his strike, he'll heal. The word said, you overcome by the words of your testimony. That's what the word said. And you're going to read that word, and you're going to stand on that word. The word said, if I be for you, who did to be against you? Oh, you're going to stand on what you Listen to what God said. If I be for you, who's going to be against you? Huh? And if I be for you, who else? Who else? Who else can be greater than God? Who who, who going to stand against you if God be for you? They can't do nothing to God. God got your back. God got your back. I know what the doctor says. I know what the condition says. I know what the sickness says, but God got your back. Read your word. And don't read it in doubt. Read it in faith. Believe everything that it says. And while you read the word, it'll give you victory over all manner of sickness and disease. You read it for strategy. Read it for wisdom. Read it for triumph. Read it for hope. Every situation in your life, read the word, and you will find out that you'll be stronger when you read your word. You know know why the devil knows how powerful the word is? You ever be reading the word, maybe you work hard all day long, and at night, you you know, see like that was the only time you could read it, and while you're reading it, it fall out of your hand, it fall asleep. The word is so powerful, the devil don't even want you to know what it is. He'll knock you out. He'll put you to sleep just so, so you won't read God's word. So that's how powerful it is. It's a powerful book. It's so powerful the witches is trying to use it, trying to turn it around and use it for their glory, for their fame and their fortune. But the word only works the way God would have it to work. Eventually, the, the same word is going to destroy the witch. But I ask you, if you want to walk in victory, quit reading your word every now and then. Maybe so you can't read it every day. I'm not going to tell you that. But you pick the time you can read it. But read it more than what you're doing. You really can't read it every day. Some folk may have time. They can read it every day. Maybe you need to read it every other day. Read it if you can't. Read it in the morning. Read it in the evening. All depends on what your schedule is. Make a schedule to read it. You can't read it if you work in the morning and read it at night. If you work at night, read it in the morning, but set a schedule. And set aside, the more you read it, the more you become stable in the Word of God. And then you did our leaders. I used to read the Word trying to get a message and trying to find a message while I was reading it. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't read the Word for a message, but read the Word for your edification. Read the Word for your enlightenment. He said, I'll give you the message. We all we, we we always trying to find something to tell somebody else, but we're not listening to what the word is saying to us. Leaders, you got to listen to the word before you start teaching somebody else. You got to be partakers of the word. You got to know what the word is saying and apply it to your life. Then you'll be able to apply it to somebody else's life. You know, you're trying to read the word and, and find out where you can go tell somebody that I shall not come at adultery, and he, here you is sleeping with somebody else's husband and wife. You got to apply the word to your life first. You got to be partaker of that word. You read that word so to tell you what to do. It ain't enough to tell others what to do. Paul said, Thou that shall say thou shalt not commit adultery, the thou commit adultery. Thou that shall die that shall not steal, the die the die bite bite, the die covet. See, we may not be sinning in one area, but yet sinning in another. So we read the word because it'll sanctify us. I used to think the way they talked about sanctification was some magical power. It'll come down from heaven and set me apart or do this to me or do something on the inside. The word sanctification means to be set apart. Just like in the kitchen, for example, just like in the kitchen where mom mom, mom has a kitchen, there's a rack in the kitchen that had uh, 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 different things on it like spice, cinnamon, nutmeg, 
Oh, you women know what I'm talking about. And they use these things in the kitchen to, while they're cooking, salt, pepper. Well, each one of those containment contain whatever it contains it separate. The salt ain't with the pepper. The pepper ain't with the sugar. The sugar ain't with the net. net. Each one has been set apart for whatever purpose it's been set apart. And you don't put one in the other. So it is with your body. You've been born again. You've been bought with a prize. And you are a vessel of God. And the Bible said the Holy Ghost dwell in you. Do you hear what I'm saying? You belong to God. You've been set apart for the Holy Ghost, not for the devil, not for lust, not for lasciviousness, not for adultery and fornication, not for sexual immorality, not for all those fleshly, ungodly things people do. No, no. Your, your temple been set apart for the Holy Ghost, just like the salt with the salt, the pepper with the pepper, the nutmeg with the nutmeg, and they're all in a different container. So is the Holy Ghost. He's in your container, and ain't nobody up. The devil ain't supposed to be in there with, with God, only, you, only the Holy Ghost. Oh, I hope you got that. You've been set apart for the Holy Ghost to dwell in you. Huh? He said he will dwell not in unclean temple. Now, if he ain't dwelling in you because your temple's unclean, then clean up. If you clean up, he'll come and dwell at you. He'll suck with you, and you can suck with him. And y'all can talk to one another. He'll talk to you, and you can talk to him. So clean up your vessel. With the word of God. For the Bible says we are sanctified through the truth, for thy word is truth. And then the word says we are cleansed through the word that he's spoken to the earth, and we do what never he said. When you read that word and do what that word says, it will sanctify you. It will cleanse you. I don't care how much you drink it, it'll stop you from drinking. I don't care how much you sin it, it'll stop you from sinning. I don't care how dirty you are, it'll clean you up. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Okay, we're going to go a little bit further, time permit. Number three, spend time with the Lord. Not only do, should you read your Bible, but you need to set out time, intimate time with God. You need to set aside time so you can be with God. The songwriter said he walked with me. He talked with me. He tell me I'm his own, and the joy we shared while we tarried there, none other that I've ever known. Other words, he said, I come to the garden alone. You got to find you a garden, a peaceful place, a private place, a, a, a place that for you and God can talk to. The Bible says Jesus steal the way into the mountain and left the disciples down, down there. There's a time that you got to steal away to that prayer closet, to that quiet place, so you can be with God so he can minister to you, so he can heal you, so he can make you whole, so he can restore you from your brokenness. You know, we're always in a crowd. We're always around somebody. We're all in front of the TV. But it's come a time that we need to steal away and find a resting place with the Lord that he can give us what we need, tell us things that we would not have heard and we had not spent time with him. There's nothing wrong with spending time. You belong to him. He wants to spend time. God wants this fellowship. Mm -hmm. Setting this time aside to pray, to read your word, just to listen to what God wants to say is a sense of every believer. With this fast-paced world of life we're living in, we can forget how crucial this is. We can forget just how crucial it is to spend time with the Lord. We need to find, we need to, we, when we find ourselves so busy that we can't spend time with God, we are too busy. Amen. Just remember that. And I thank God now that I'm uh, that, that I'm retired. I didn't realize how how, how uh, hectic it was. I didn't realize how busy I was. Here I was pastoring. Here I was uh, working one job six hours in the morning and three hours in the morning, three in the afternoon. And then I did an eight-hour job. I was doing 14 hours in a day. Not only had to run my family, not only had to pastor the church, I did not realize how occupied I was until I retired. But God told me I got need of you. And I'm so glad I obeyed God and retired that I might be able. I wouldn't have been able to do this broadcast if I'd still been working. But look at God, who knew that this was coming, knew that this door was going to be open, and he prepared me ahead of time But such a thing as this. See, if you're too busy, God can't use you. If you're, too, if you're so occupied in yourself, God can't use you. So many people want God to use them, but they're so busy that if an opportunity presented itself, they can't even do nothing no how. You, you, they, 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 their hands are too full. They're, they, their schedule are too full. I tell God when I get up in the morning, 
I said, God, I got an agenda today. I have a schedule today. I have an itinerary today. I got plans today. But any time you want to step in and change it, God, do that. You got to be vulnerable. Don't have your schedule so tied up that it, God can't come in and change them if need be. Yes, yes, you should. Don't let nobody tell you you shouldn't have a schedule. You shouldn't have a plan. You shouldn't have an itinerary. Uh, you, you should have those things because this is what life is. This is life is about. He said, but be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Does he want to intervene any time in, 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 in that plan of yours, that schedule of yours? There are times I've set aside, I had about eight or nine things to do. But because I, God had me to do something there, I didn't get to none of those. So don't be so busy. I'm going to get to these eight things. I'll see God later. No, no, no. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That if he tell you to change, amen. Now, don't, now please don't, 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 don't be so sentimental that you think that you don't even go to the, I don't even go to the grocery store until the Lord tell me to go. Then I ask him what hour to go on when I get the, uh, please, you, you get a little bit too religious now. You need to, you need to come on back down to earth now. Come on back down. Get off on the next exit. Cause when you get so heavenly bound, you know, earthly good, you can't help nobody. God ain't got to tell you every little thing to do. I know the scripture said in all thy ways acknowledge Lord, but he didn't mean it like that. You ain't going to turn around. I didn't want to turn left till the Lord tell me to turn. When I got to the corner, I said, which way do I go? God, where are you headed? Where are you headed? Then you'll know which way to go. If you're headed to the mall, the mall to the left, go to the left. You don't have to ask God to go to the left. You won't know where the mall is. The scripture tell us the thing that we already know. We don't, we, it's not faith. And so we make like we're so caught up in religion that we just hear the voice of the Lord. And I ain't never heard so many people hear the voice of the Lord. Now, God saved yesterday and heard the Lord more than I heard the Lord. And I've been saved some 30 and 40 years. And they already heard the Lord come flying through the heaven and across the sky and sound like, whoa, we have to be so careful that we don't get deceived by all these voices out here talking about day of the Lord. I'm going to leave that alone. Amen. Uh, and number four, praise the Lord for the small and little victory. You may think you ain't got no victories in your life just because things ain't came like you wanted. It looked like your prayer weren't heard like you wanted to be heard. and It, it, it looked like that you still got something uh, in the air or something to pray up there on, and it ain't been answered yet, and you think you ain't got no victory. But if you got up this morning and you were able to open your eyes and see a foot ahead of you, that's victory in itself. Amen. If you were able to go to the bathroom this morning and didn't have to go to dialysis, you got victory. You ain't had no heart attack, you got victory. You ain't had no stroke, you got victory. I count this victory because these things are happening to people every day. People having a heart attack, people having a stroke, people kidneys are failing them. And here you walk around and talk about you ain't got no victory. You got up with victory, you just didn't know it. Pray the Lord for the little thing. The Bible said if you got a, a shell over your head and food to eat and clothes, be content. That's victory right there. Quit looking across the street at somebody else's house. they got 15 rooms on it and two or three stories on top and three or four go-rods on the side. You be thankful for, for your little house. Now, if you ain't but one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom in a kitchen, you be thankful for your house. You give God praise for your house so right where you stay. For the little small victory, the little small things that is happening. Huh? The fact that he just gave you a job when you didn't have one. Remember, you do you, you could not even have a job. That victory. When you think about all the people that are standing in an unemployment line and don't have a job today, all the people that are unemployed, and here you is got a job. Maybe it ain't paying you thirty dollars an hour, but it's paying the bill, it meeting your need. That victory in itself. I, can, I cannot ever remember my mother. My mother come up from the old school. She came up in the cotton fields, the tobacco fields, the potato fields. She came up in the cold, cold years where you had to go out and cut wood and drag it in out the snow. It was snow on Monday, and it was snow all Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Not only would it snow, but a blizzard would be with it. It would snow so hard until the the, the porch that on the house we lived in was like four and five feet tall, and the snow would be leveled up to the porch. It would snow so hard that you couldn't even see the wood out in the wood pile. And it would stay cold so long until the wood we had already cut would run out. And I remember my mom asking me to go with her, and when I walked in the snow, the snow almost covered me. That's how deep it was to go down and, and get some wood and cut wood up and drag it back to the house. 
My mama never knew what it was to work in a factory. She never knew what it was to get you get ten dollars an hour, twelve dollars an hour. My mama came out of the field where the cotton was three hundred cotton was three hundred three dollars for a hundred pounds of cotton. These are the kind of job my mama had working in tobacco. She never worked as some of you have today, where you making thirteen hours, fourteen, twenty, thirty, forty dollars an hour. My mama had had something like that. I don't know she might have turned the flip. But my mama was grateful. She was grateful at that three dollars that she made an hour for picking cotton and she gave God a praise. My dad died and left my mom with 10 children. And my mama walked in the Lord, and God helped her to take care of all 10 children. We weren't hungry for nothing. We didn't like anything, because my mama believed, trusted in the Lord, and she was grateful over, over, she, she was grateful over what she had. My mama go in that kitchen and take some chocolate. I'm talking about Hershey's chocolate. She take that Hershey's chocolate and stir it up and make a pudding out of it, put some sugar in it so it would be sweet, and she'd make a two or three pound of biscuit. And I want you to know, child, we were real taken care of. It was like we had eight, eight, eight from the White House. She knew how to take nothing and make something out of it. So be grateful. Number five, pray for those around you. Don't just pray for yourself. But pray for other people that are around you. We talking about walking. This is how you get victory. When you see somebody in need, pray for them. Don't be so selfish. Don't be so jealous. Don't just pray for your church member. I be hearing people praying. They should be praying for their church member. Just praying for their home. Don't just pray for your home. Pray for other people's home. Don't just pray for your church member. Pray for other people's church member. Don't just pray for your job. Pray for other people that's on a job, people that don't have a job, people looking for a job, people that are unemployed and can't find a job. Maybe they got a criminal record. Maybe they've done something in the past, and now it's so hard for them to find a job because uh, of the criminal record. You pray, because see, prayer changes things. I'll tell you what prayer can do. Because when God gave me a job, somebody prayed for me. My mama prayed for me. When I went to, went to the interview, my mama prayed for me. Here it was. I had just had came out of prison. I had faced a hundred some years. I had just had came out of prison. So they weren't supposed to give me no job because I was a felon. But I went to this factory, and they were laying off people like 500 at a time, and they hired me. They hired me while they were laying off 500 people. I went there with a record, and they looked at my paper. I told them I had a record. I didn't try to hide nothing. I had just got saved, too, walking with God. The supervisor looked at the paper. The guy told him that I had a record and just, you know, had recently came out of prison. He looked at me. He turned and said, can you come Thursday for an interview? They tired me. They, I went Thursday for an interview, and I stayed on that job until it closed down and went overseas to another country. I stayed the 19 years. That's what God will do for you. Don't you, don't you get discouraged because you got a record? I was a felon, not misdemeanor, but a felon. But God opened up that door. And after that door shut, he opened up another door in the school system. He did that for me. And, and you know when a felon, you ain't supposed to be in the school system. But he opened up another door in the school system. And I stayed there all for 18 years. I want you to know that God can go beyond the norm. He can do what man said cannot be done. You need to trust in the Lord and pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. When you humble yourself and pray for others, it makes God bless you. You find out that somebody's going through. You find out that somebody having a problem. We get up in the morning and pray for ourselves and go on about the day. Pray for the war that's going on over there, over there, overseas. Pray for that war where Russia done invaded another country. We just call it was greedy and wanted to take something that won't learn. You pray, pray. Pray that God will intervene. Pray that God will bring peace to that situation. Pray that no more lives will be lost. Pray for the people overseas that is hungry, who, who, who don't have anything to eat. They walk all day long. I heard of a story where they walked 30 miles just to get a bowl of oatmeal, and then they walked 30 miles back home. Can you imagine when that oatmeal gone by the time they get back home? And then they get up, but look, they got a smile on their face. They're standing there with a big smile on their face with that bowl holding out while they pour that oatmeal in that bowl. They eat that oatmeal like it's steak. They eat that oatmeal like it's some, some special something. And here we are complaining about what we don't want, what I'm not going to eat. 
I ain't going to eat that. When they were walking 30 miles just to get a bowl of oatmeal and to give God praise for it, for them to get some water because it's so hard to find water. And when they get that water, they give God praise because they're so thankful that they got water. But we over here got so much. We got so much that we're so ungrateful. But if you want to walk in victory, learn how to pray for others. Number six, spend time in worship. We talked about it. Go about spending time with God. The one thing about spending time with God, another thing is spending time in worship. Start singing. Worship can be a mighty weapon for believers. During time of worship, our focus is on the Lord and his goodness. Whether it be on an instrument or a drum or just singing in the shower. I remember my wife was was worshiping the Lord on the interstate down here where we call 95. We got interstate 292, 495, and all the different interstates, but up down here was interstate 95. And me and my wife were worshiping, and the Lord, I don't know, I just started singing. She started singing with me. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a tire blew out in the car. Now, we remember I'm on interstate, northbound, southbound. I'm going south, I'm going northbound on interstate with the cars all the time, side you, behind you, in front of you. We started praising the Lord, and the tire blew out. But when the tire blew out, I lost control of the car. It went from the left side to the – I'm still on the northbound lane, but it went from the right side to the left, all the way to the grass almost. I almost lost control of it. And I was able to control it and bring it back on the side of the road where I was. But what's so good about it, God had cleaned the whole highway from as far as you could see. There was no traffic. It was impossible for something like that to be. And here we on a freeway where it's nothing but traffic. By we singing, God knew we were going to have a blowout. And if I had lost control of it with all that traffic coming, I would have ran into someone and ran somebody off the road. But because we were giving God a prayer, and that wasn't the third time, God had been there doing that time and time again. And, and look, look at God. Look what praise does. Look what praise and worship does. Oh, it set the angels of the Lord. The Bible said God inhabited the praise of the saints. God came down there and cleaned the highway off so that I wouldn't have no wreck. There was another time I was with my mom and with my, with my wife and my children, and we were headed to another part of the state. And this truck came, was fit to pass on the left side, passing. But when the truck got ready to pass, he saw our car or whatever. He pulled back in. He was loaded with steel or something. But anyway, he pulled back in. The car rocked. The truck rocked like it was going to turn over and pour all that steel on our car and kill us. But it didn't. He was able to get control of it. Later on, we heard, and we were giving, thanking God. Later on, we heard that same truck went down the road some miles later and flipped over and killed another family. The car, the truck flipped over on them. Do you not know God is so gracious and merciful? We praise God and we thank God and we hate that that, you know, that, that happened to the other family, but I'm just trying to show you what God did. Give God a praise. Don't just praise him in the house, praise him in the bedroom, praise him in the shower, but Start learning how to pray, worship the Lord as you're driving along the highway. Cut the radio off and praise him yourself. It's okay to listen to others sing on the radio, but it's okay for God to want to hear from you. God want to hear that voice he gave. I can't sing. No, you don't. You can't if you don't open your mouth. Nobody can sing if they don't open their mouth. Your song may not sound like nobody else's. And number seven, dedicate daily time toward your God-given talent. God has given you a talent. Don't do like the man in the Bible that hid his talent because he didn't think it was important. Your talent is important. Maybe you're not the apostle or the evangelist or the prophet or the teacher, all those fivefold ministers. But whatever talent you have, God gave it to you. He wants you to enjoy it. He wants you to be grateful for it. He, he wants you to walk in it, in that talent, so that talent can bring more talent. See, God wants to use what you got to save somebody else. God wants to use what you got to deliver somebody else. God wants to use what you got to set somebody else free. So dedicate your daily time towards your God-given talent. If you want to be a, a preacher, then, then spend time in your message. Don't go grabbing something to run up on Sunday morning and get somebody, especially if you're a pastor, especially if you're a leader. You got all them people out in that audience, all that flock out there. You got to feed. And you can't feed them oatmeal every morning. You can't feed them grits in the morning. You got to feed them a nourishment. You've got to go out there and stay before the Lord and study. Even if you got a job, I worked, but, but, but I had to take out time 
to get a message, not to grab something and throw it. I knew whenever I threw a message together, I didn't feel comfortable. Even though the people were blessed, I knew that I didn't do my best. And I feel like I could have done better if I had to put more time in the message. It's one thing to cook a meal, but it's another thing to put time in the meal you cook. I said it's one thing to cook a meal, but it's another thing to put time in the meal you cook. Same it is with the Word of God. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. A workman, you're not made ashamed, right? Dividing the Word of God. You're not up there preaching about your family, preaching about your dog, half of your message about your wife, the other half about your children and your dog and the cat and the job. That ain't the Word of God. He didn't tell you to preach about your family. He said you you to preach the word of God. He didn't tell you, then some people preaching about their business. He didn't tell you to preach about your business, what somebody did to you and they said of you, and you know they don't like you, and, and I want you to know you don't like me. That ain't the word of God. That is your business. That's your personal life. God, when you step in there, and God got on me about that. God said that pulpit is not for your personal use. One time I used those those rocks at somebody who I knew they were talking about me. I knew they were talking about me. And I got up there and I used that word. And I mean, I preached that word. Now, I know somebody got blessed by it, but I also threw some rocks. And I knew I threw some rocks because I wanted them to know that, that I was talking about them. But when I got home, God told me, don't you never use my pulpit and throw rocks at nobody no more. I had to repent, y'all. I had to tell, I had to tell God, I'm sorry, Lord. I promise to never do that no more. See, sometimes people do like Paul said. People provoke you to be jealous. They provoke you to throw rocks at them. But but God told me don't do that no more. That ain't what the pulpit for. So no matter how they hurt me, no matter how they talked about me, no matter what I heard them say, I never let the message be one where I personally were pointing at them. Because, see, while I was doing that, somebody was going malnourished. Somebody missed a message that day. Somebody didn't get the word of God that day because I was so caught up in trying to get even with those that done done me wrong. Preachers, pastors, leaders, that pulpit is not for you to throw rocks. It's not for you to throw slang. It's not for you to use that pulpit for your own advantage to get even with somebody who done done you wrong. Don't worry about those game sales. Don't worry about hard time by. Don't worry about those that done you. And God will take care of them. You preach that word. Preach it in season. Preach it out of season. Preach it when you feel like. Preach it when you don't. Preach it when they talk about you. Preach it when they lie on you. Preach it when they hang your name on the sideboard. And don't let your personal life get involved in that. You stay out of the way so God's word can be in the way. God's word can only heal when you preach it the right way. God working only delivered when you preach it the right way. God working only set free when you preach it the right way. And that's by you staying out of the way. Keep self out of that word. Keep self out of the pulpit. And let the Holy Ghost, he said in that hour, he'll tell you what to say. Oh, we thank God for this is good. We bless the Lord. So we may not get through with all what we got here. Now, that was the seven ways of walking in victory. Now we want to talk about uh, uh, uh Habits that are destroying your walk with God. I may not get through with all of them, but I'm going to jump on it right quick. Habits. First habit is failing to do what's right. Just as bad at doing what is wrong. You hear what I'm saying? Failing what doing what is right. Jesus told a story about a wealthy businessman who entrusted three employees with managing vast sums of money. While he was away, the amount of money assigned to each employee was determined by his capacity. One man received $2.5 million, another man received a million, another man received $5,000, and, and the man went on a trip. Two of the employees doubled their money, each one the same from the boss. Well done, good and faithful servant, he said. He said, you were faithful over a few things. I make you ruler over many. Enter unto the joy of the Lord. The, third, the, the second one received the same. He, he came back, he took his and doubled it and made a million. And it made a million dollars out of it. He doubled his million to two million. The first one doubled his to five million. The second one doubled his to two million. And the last one got five hundred thousand dollars. And he went and buried it. And, he, and the master came back. The third one neither gained nor lost money. He didn't take any money for himself. And he and and and, and, and he gave an honor account when the employee returned. This man buried his money and dug it up. When the employee returned, the boss was not impressed. He called the employee a wicked and lazy, lazy, and turned the money over to one of his other employees. He called him a lazy servant because he did not make anything out of it. He told me, he said, I hid it. I buried it because I understand you are a ruthless man. Gain what you didn't plant and earning what you didn't, didn't do and all that stuff, and he didn't do nothing with it. 
Use what God gave you. By not using what God gave you, the same thing is wrong. It's not doing nothing. It is bad and not doing nothing. Find out what God told you to do and do it to the best of your ability. If he called you to preach, preach. If he called you to teach, teach. You're not preaching for others. So what? I don't care if you ain't got one person sitting out there in front of you. Preach to that one person. I don't care if it ain't no much your children. Preach to your children. I don't care if your uncle. Preach to your uncle. But don't sit there. Don't do nothing. When, when you fail to do what is right, you're just as guilty as the person that did wrong. And that's what's wrong going on now with Chris. Chris says, we see wrong going and won't say nothing. It is said that when the righteous be quiet in the time of wrong, evil will always triumph. Number two, responding to Christ's forgiveness means giving up our old ways. Do you hear me? Responding, when you become born again, then you give up your old ways. It breaks the habits. As you walk with God, whenever you say, I'm saved, you say you're a Christian, then you don't walk in the flesh no more. You humble yourself to Christ, giving up your old ways. And whatever God takes from you, be glad. Don't try to take it back when God takes it from you. See, when you become born again, God's going to take habits away from you. He's going to take things away from you that he don't want you doing because they're not Christ-like. They're not spiritual. And he wants you to humble yourself so he can take them away. And this is how he takes them away. You pray. And you're going to need to humble yourself. You say, God, whatever's in me that ain't like you, whatever's in me that ain't right, God, can you take it away? And God will break that habit away. Habits can, habits can hinder you from walking in God. Habits can hinder you from growing in God. Habits can hinder you from being what God will have you to be. Some people got a habit of drinking. Some people got a habit of drugs. They, they've been born again, but they got a habit of drinking, a habit of drugs. Some people got a habit of sexual ability. Uh, they don't want to let go. They don't, they don't want to let go of the flesh. They don't want to let go of fornicate. They don't want to let go of industriousness. They want to let go of lasciviousness. But, but these habits will defile you. These habits will cause you not to be successful. These habits will cause you not to be victorious. And God wants you to be victorious. God wants you to walk in victory. Number three, acting like a Christian is not enough. You hear what I say? Acting like a Christian is not. You can't just act like a Christian. The Bible says if you name the name of Christ, ought you not walk like him? You get you just cannot act like a Christian. Like that's what's going on now. We got a, a lot of acting going on. People think it's a show in the church. A whole lot of actors, a whole lot of acting, and not enough of people proving that this thing works. You don't act like you're a Christian. You are a Christian. You ought to walk the way of a Christian, talk like a Christian, live like a Christian. The word Christian means to be Christ-like. And you're not going to act like you're Christ-like. If you act like you're Christ-like and living the things of the world, people are going to know that you're, you're, you're wrong. They're going to know that you're sending out the wrong signal. Acting like a Christian is not enough. Be a Christian. Do the thing that a Christian does. Old things pass away. The whole old thing become new. You are a new creature. And you ought to walk like a new creature. The thing you used to do when you was in the world, when you were in the flesh, you don't do them things no more. For the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not in you no more. Give those things up. Number four, losing God, losing God's love is impossible, but Christians can miss out on the privilege of obedience. You, God wants us to be obedient. We say we love the Lord but we don't want to obey him. If you love God, you're going to obey him. He said, if you say you love me and do not what I tell you to do, he said, we're lying. So you can't say you love God and didn't want to obey God. And obey God is not only in the spiritual realm, obey God is in the flesh too. Where he said, love your neighbor, you love yourself. Doing the other, you have other doing you. We want to love God, but we don't want to love our brothers and sisters. If somebody wrong, you forgive them. Somebody asks you to go a mile, go, go two miles. In other words, the thing we have to do in the natural as well as showing God we love him. He said, doing the other, we have others doing to you. All these things got to do with obeying God. This is how we walk as brothers. We're not to hold grudges against one another. We're not to argue with one another. But we are to walk in peace, loving one another. Number five, perseverance in our Christian walk requires prayer. You're not going to make it if you don't know how to pray. 
You 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 got to pray that God will help you. See, you have to pray that God will help you hold on. You have to pray, persevere me to hold on, it means to endure. It, it means to hang on in there. It means to go the next extra mile. And you got to pray that God will help you hang on in there. Pray that God will help you endure. God will help you go that extra mile. You have to pray to God that he will help you not give up. We all feel like giving up sometimes. But you got to pray, God, help me not give up. Lord, I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting. I feel like throwing in the towel. But I need your help, God. I'm weak in this area. I'm weak in that area. God, if you don't do something, I don't know where I'm going to be able to hang on. You have to tell God how you feel. And when you do that, God will help you. For he said that in the 40th chapter of Isaiah, he will mount you up with wings like an eagle. You'll be able to run and not be weary. You'll be able to walk and not faint. How about number six, highlighting our own strength by criticizing another weakness in, in ungodly, ungodly. And see, that what we, God don't want us exalting ourselves, bragging on how strong you are, then criticizing another. We ought to be strength. The, the Bible says we are strength one to another. And what the Bible says, we ought to be strength one to another. If you are all that strong, then help your brother. Remember, you won't always, remember, you had not always been where you are. Hello? Remember, you were weak one time. Remember, you used to make mistakes. Remember, you used to did cross your T and dot your I. But now that you are, don't forget about those folks that still finding it hard uh, to, to walk, walk. They want to serve the Lord, but they find it hard. So show them how you got victory. Show them how you got victory over the little habit you had. And God will certainly bless you for doing so. Listen to this. Number seven, neglected the needs of others. Ignore Jesus' example. When you neglect the needs of others, the Bible says you see your brother in need and close your heart of compassion. How dwell the love of God in you? You just think about it. You know somebody hungry. You know somebody in need of food and clothes and raiment. And then you go get on a prayer because God told you they were in need. And you go get on the phone and pray with them, talking about be ye fed and be ye clothed. And the Bible said, and give them not the necessity. What have you done? They're still hungry. They're still cold. And they still don't have anything to eat. So your prayer was in vain because your prayer didn't do nothing. But There was nothing but a prayer. Somebody got to be on the hill of the prayer. So the Bible says, if you see your brother's need and close your heart of compassion, how dwell the love of God in you? Last but not least, rejecting Jesus' authority invites God's judgment. Listen to me. And rejecting Jesus' authority invite God's judgment. When you fail to walk in the, in, 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 in the authority and the way of God, the judgment already comes on you. The Bible says God knows the ways of a righteous man, but the ways of the ungodly have already perished. If you're ungodly, you're already judged. If you don't walk in the authority of God, you already bring judgment on yourself. God ain't going to judge. He's already judged. He already decided what your fate is. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear people say, well, I- I'm just as saved as you is. No, please don't let the devil keep fooling you that way. Because you haven't been born again, you ain't saved at all. And please don't compare your salvation to mine because I don't have none. When you start comparing your salvation to somebody else, you ain't got no salvation. They don't have no salvation. No salvation came from the Lord. So that statement is really in vain. Coming, I'm just as saved as you is when I didn't even save my own self. The Bible says the righteous shall scarcely be saved. I'm scarcely saved my own self. So how you compare yourself to me? If the righteous shall scarcely be saved, where then shall the ungodly appear? So we want to know that God wants you to walk in victory. Remember this. You've been defeated. You keep throwing in the towel. You keep thinking you can't make it. I come out and tell you, if God be for you, who did can be against you. You're stronger than what you think you are. So quit saying you're weak and start saying you're strong. Say I'm victorious. I'm an overcomer. I'm going to make it in spite of, in Jesus' name, amen. Apostle? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Apostle? Yes. Would you like to end in prayer for those who would like a special prayer for the night? Because you know your prayers are powerful. Precious Father, we talked about victory in you tonight, only in you. For there is victory in none other but you, God, in your son, Christ Jesus. For your son came to give us victory, God, victory over our habits, victory over our anger, victory over our sickness and disease, victory over our children, victory over our husbands, over our wives, victory over our jobs, victory over our finances, victory over our personal life. 
whatever the victory be, God, I pray that you give big victory, victory over these suicidal spirits, victory over these, these, these sickness and infirmities that seem to don't want to go, these sickness that want to take hold on us and don't want to turn us loose. You said Isaiah 53 and 5, said you were wounded for our transgressors, bruised for our iniquity, chastised with our peace upon him, which is shot, we heal. We got victory over these infirmities. We got victory over these sickness. You said in Psalm 103 and 3 that you, the God, have forgiven all our iniquity and healed all our disease. So we're standing on your word, O oh God. By your strife, we are healed. So I claim victory right now over, over, over the radio audience. Everyone on the side of my voice, I ran the victory over these sickness that seem like they don't want to go nowhere. These strongholds that seem they don't want to be broke, God. These habits that don't want to let go, God. I claim victory in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I claim victory right now, God, that they be healed, delivered, and set free. That these habits be broken. These strongholds be pulled down. The, the, the sick be made well. The bow down head be lifted up. The discouragement heart be encouraged. Not moved by the power of your Holy Spirit, God. All over the radio world, touch, heal, deliver, and set free. Let your glory show up. When your glory show up, eyes come open. When your glory show up, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the mute speak. When your glory show up, miracles are worked. So let your glory show up in the areas, thank God, that I just mentioned. The honor and the praise shall be thine. Remember the apostles that have opened up doors for so many to minister to God. Bless her, God, and keep her strong. Keep her encouraged. Keep on keeping the doors open, God, for her as well as others, as long as you would, God. By the hands of the enemy, any dark force that come to try to shut the radio down or shut the voice of the apostle, God, you bind it up right now and cast it to bliss. The glory shall be yours. Heal her body. Heal her children's body, God. Bless her family and make them whole. Do it in my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Apostle. You're welcome. Reverend 
Paul Jones, I won't complain, and Apostle Alexander Lockamy. Please tune in each week for the man of God, the man with the wisdom gift. God bless you, and have a nice evening. Amen. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 